0: Parents, doctors, and public health experts have been testifying in Austin about the governor's mandate that schoolgirls be vaccinated against a sexually transmitted disease. Did that order bypass the normal legislative process and the rights of parents? And New Jersey is now the third state in the nation to offer civil unions. Today's host, Kirby Anderson, will discuss both of these issues. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. That's one
2: small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. is. Yes.
0: president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com now here's today's host, Kirby Anderson.
1: Thank you for joining me today. We're going to be focusing on a number of issues, but front and center will be what has been taking place in Austin the last two days. The Texas House Public Health Committee actually convened hearings on Monday and continued through today to look at the very important issue of whether or not we should implement the executive order by Texas Governor Rick Perry. He issued that order on February 2nd, and it mandated A vaccination of girls who were entering into the sixth grade in the state of Texas. This would commence in uh, September 2008. This is the HPV vaccine called Gardasil, and there was quite a bit of testimony about this particular issue. Uh, Monday, among those testifying at a public hearing on this legislation were a number of people, but one in particular was a woman by the name of Heather Burcham. With less than six months to live, she she talked about the mission giving meaning in her final days.
5: My main goal is that just one person would hear my story and that it would open their eyes, you know, child, teenager, adult, just to the high risks that are out there.
1: Now, Heather talked about how the news she had cervical cancer actually affected her.
5: Um, I was told that there was no way I could survive, that possibly by chemo and radiation they could prolong my life. This was the most horrifying news at 38 years old I could possibly have heard.
1: So, some very powerful testimony that took place uh, yesterday at the Texas House Public Health Committee. And this, I think, illustrates exactly what is front and center. There have been many like her that have said it is a good thing to have this mandatory requirement, this mandate by Texas Governor Rick Perry to require all girls entering the sixth grade to actually have this vaccination. On the other hand, there have been quite a number that have been critical. Back in January, the American Academy of Pediatrics, Uh, Their Committee on Infectious Diseases really thought it was premature to make the vaccine mandatory, had a chance a while back to interview the president of the American Academy of uh, Pediatricians in which he was expressing that. But of course now this is no longer just a uh, hypothetical medical question, it has become a political question, and all sorts of people have weighed in with this issue. Uh, Free Market Foundation is an organization that we have a chance to talk with occasionally here in Jerry Johnson Live, and they have raised questions about whether or not we should inject virus-like particles into girls who might be as young as nine years old for a sexually transmitted disease. They feel that that uh, decision should be left to the parents and the family doctor. Uh, A group that is associated with them is the Texas Physicians Resource Council. This is a group of over 1,200 physicians and healthcare professionals. They've issued a number of statements. They've said that after reviewing the literature and discussing the HPV vaccine and the mandate with numerous medical leaders, they do not believe that the executive order issued by Governor Rick Perry is the best way to proceed at this time. They went on to say, we concur with most major medical organizations that the vaccine Gardasil is too new and the long-term safety and duration of its effectiveness is unknown. They also go on to point out that uh, this particular vaccine, you know, it does not cure existing HPV vaccines, does not treat HPV-related problems, does not reduce the need for screening exams or pap smears, and does not reduce the risk of other sexually transmitted infections. And so we would love to get your comments. Uh, we're going to open up the phones a little bit early since some of you probably would have comments about the testimony. If you'd like to join us, 800 881 if we have comments about the HPv vaccine this is something that has been considered over the last couple of days here now by the Texas house public uh, Committee health committee they adjourned today without a vote uh, there is some indication that this uh, vote which is going to be on a particular bill it's house bill 1098 would be one that actually would overturn governor Perry's executive order so I'd love to hear your comments about that uh, do you agree with the mandate that the uh, governor has set forth do you believe that the vaccine is safe do you you? You have questions about uh, its implication. What about uh, the possible message that it sends to others? You've heard Pennedextra on this program before talk about the fact that it seems many times like a quick fix, but I would love to hear your comments about that and I'll give you some more information which now that we've had these hearings we've learned a lot more because we've learned a great deal more of uh, what has or has not been done Gardasil is this HPV vaccine and it actually would cover four strains of HPV recognize there are thir- there are about 30 strains of HPV which are sexually transmitted so this particular vaccine will cover four out of the 30 But it won't cover all. So anybody looking for a so-called silver bullet which would uh, remove the possibility of anyone getting HPV has to continue to look. So on the one hand it is a miracle of modern science that the human papillomavirus can be eliminated, at least four strains can be, and we can protect individuals with that. On the other hand, let's be honest enough to recognize that many of the strains of HPV will not be prevented by this vaccine. Another question that people have been asking is, well, okay, how long would this last? Well, the tests and clinical trials have taken place for four years. We don't know if in the future there would be a need for a booster shot, so certainly that is a question that people are asking as well. And there have been some questions, of course, about cost as well. Hard to estimate that. It would cost four or three successive shots of this $360, but recognize that uh, at least the mandate that the governor has set forth—and that might change now with the legislature, actually would uh, require individuals to pay for that. But if you were on Medicaid, then assuming the government would pay for it, there are about 1.9 million Texas children on Medicaid. And if you assume uh, reasonably that half are girls, that cost could be around, say, three hundred million dollars. Some people think that is a very small amount to pay to prevent this horrific disease from striking young people. Others aren't so sure, and that's again okay, one of the questions we want to put on the table for you today. Eight hundred eight eight one nine two seven zero, and let's go to our first phone call, and that is Bob and Terrell. Bob, thanks for calling.
2: Yes. Uh... The deal is that Rick Perry ran on the ticket of pro life, and plus uh, he does not have the uh, he should not have the power to play. uh, Hey, uh, everybody in Texas, I'm your daughter's daddy, and uh, it should be the parents' decision on uh, when their children should be vaccinated against any kind of uh, sexually transmitted disease or anything. And let's have an executive order by the governor that children just have to uh, go through uh, classes of abstinence, and uh, before they get out of high school, they have to pass uh, stuff on safe sex and uh, when they should be uh, having any kind of uh, sex. It should be uh, for uh, at marriage and that kind of stuff. It's not his. It's not his power to say this. It's the kind of thing your your child should have to do because I'm the governor of Texas. Let's have an executive order to get rid of all the illegal aliens
1: appreciate your phone call. You raised a question here about the teaching of abstinence, and that actually is something that has been required. I sit on the board of two different organizations that actually teach abstinence, and I would recommend anyone that wanted information to contact some of those abstinence-based organizations because they're doing a good job of telling young people what they really need to hear, and that is the only truly safe sex is abstinence. And it was striking to me that uh, when I was reading from some of the information from the Texas Physicians Resource Council, they made the same point, and that is if you want to make sure that young people do not have a sexually transmitted disease, probably the only way that we can assure that with 100% safety is by teaching abstinence and practicing abstinence. But let's take some more phone calls because I want to hear your comments. 800 881 9270, talking about the HPV vaccine testimony has been heard before the texas house and uh, whether you live in the state of texas or not you better pay attention because as the state of texas goes on this issue so goes the nation i can see right now a number of governors number of legislators are actually thinking about whether or not they want to mandate the same thing and it would make it much easier for them if indeed the governor's executive order is upheld they can say look this is a red state it's a conservative state this is a conservative governor if texas does it we need to do it as well so in some respects it almost doesn't matter whether you live in the state of texas or not the impact is going to be felt nationally let's go to our next call and in corsicana tony thank you for calling hey how you doing good how you doing
2: all right i appreciate your program um basically what i have is i have a question i agree with the first caller as far as teaching abstinence but i'm kind of curious as to why the governor is in such a hurry to expedite this and i'm kind of curious since i haven't heard anything is, is he going to be getting any type of kickback from the uh, the drug companies on this, or or why is he in such a big hurry?
1: Okay. Uh, and I start with the assumption that I trust everybody's assumption. I assume that people make decisions on the basis of the merit of the case, not anything else. That being said, and I, I will uh, attribute high motives to the governor, uh, I think it is fair and in the honest uh, disclosure of facts Uh, Governor Perry does have some ties to two different groups. One is Merck, which is the producer of this, and the other is Women in Government, which has actually been pushing forward. The connections are this. uh, Governor Perry's former chief of staff, actually is one of the drug companies, three lobbyists in the state of Texas. So, okay, there is at least an indirect uh, connection there. His current chief of staff's mother-in-law is actually the state director for the women in government group that has been promoting this as well. Now, if you wanna say, is there any kickbacks? Well, the only thing we have as a public record is the governor received $6,000 from Merck's political action committee, but he received it from many others. So don't know that there is anything other than he is convinced perhaps more than many of us would be convinced simply because he's had individuals who are actually working with Merck uh, to believe that this would be the best way to go. And in terms of urgency, part of this has to do with, and I, I think Penna shared this before, the CDC's, the Center for Disease Control, recommendation that this be done back in January, which is why she wrote one of her columns that you've probably seen in the Texas Baptist and some other places. Um, and also, I've ha- had some people suggest that if indeed this was mandated, then later on if there were any kind of lawsuits, Merck would be a little more sheltered simply because this was actually mandated by the state. And so those are some issues to consider. When we come back, I'll take some more of your phone calls, 800 881 9270. But I thought I just might mention that uh, you might want to mark on your calendar what we call Encounter Criswell. It takes place on March 1st. It's an opportunity to go to class, to worship in chapel, to have lunch with the professors, really to encounter the Criswell College. And I would encourage encourage you that if you'd like some more information, go to the website. It's uh, very simple to find, and it's criswell.edu, www.criswell.edu, or you could email to admission at criswell.edu and find out a little bit more. This is an opportunity to find out more of the good teaching that takes place here at the Criswell College. And again, I hope that you will visit that we- website, uh, criswell.edu. And when we come back, we will spend a little bit more time focusing on this issue of the HPV virus what it is, and most importantly, why this particular vaccine is mandated. And perhaps you've had some other questions in your mind, and that is, okay, the executive order on February 2nd required that all girls entering the sixth grade be vaccinated. Why not boys? Aren't we going to be fair about this? So we'll come back and try to answer some of those questions that many of you had in terms of cost, in terms of application. Many people have wondered whether or not this is the best way to go and whether or not there are some other things that would be more effective and more reasonable. But we'll come back and continue taking your phone calls at 800-888-9270. All that coming up right after these messages.
0: That's chriswo.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's today's host, Kirby Anderson. Back once
1: again, 800 881 9270, 800 881 9270. What is the most commonly sexually transmitted infection in the United States? HPV, human papillomavirus. You know, most HPV infections cause no symptoms. More than half of all sexually active persons become infected at some time in their life. Interestingly enough, a majority of women clear the HPV virus from their bodies naturally, but women with other risk factors, that could be HIV infections, smoking, long term use of oral contraceptives, or co infection with other STDs like herpes simplex virus or chlamydia are at a higher risk for chronic HPV infection. If you have those precancerous changes in the cervix, eventually you can get cervical cancer. That is why the governor has actually issued this mandate. It came out on February 2nd in an executive order requiring that all girls entering the sixth grade in Texas, starting in September 2008, would be vaccinated with Gardasil. Now, even though it is a mandate, you can opt out for religious reasons, but when we uh, get uh, back into some of this conversation, we'll talk about how many girls would actually be vaccinated, and we'll also talk a little bit about why we would only be vaccinating girls. Well, let's take some more phone calls here for just a minute. Let's go to Pat in Arlington. Pat, thank you for calling.
6: Sure. I just wanted to submit a comment that
3: history has shown that every time a supposed protection against another STD uh, comes out, promiscuity actually increases, and usually sharply. There's really no 100% sure external prevention. It's got to come from within, and that's a commitment to purity, and that's got to be caught from generation to
6: generation.
1: And I think it's not only going to be caught, it's got to be taught. And we I oftentimes exactly right. uh, are unfortunately teaching our kids to be sexually promiscuous. In my latest book, Christian Ethics in Plain Language, I point out a very good article that appeared in the journal Pediatrics, which is by the American Academy of Pediatrics, in which they point out that when young people watch lots of television with sexual episodes, the correlation between their likelihood of being involved sexually and watching those are very high. So when we bombard our kids with a sexual message, As I had one teenager say the other day, after a while watching television, I thought I was the only virgin in America. And so we've got to uh, counter that message and teach the right one. So I appreciate your phone call today. Let's see if we can take a few more phone calls as well. I think we go to uh, Tiffany next in Dallas. Tiffany, thank you for calling.
7: Thank you for having me on. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you for calling.
7: Hey, you know, it's very interesting that um, this topic has come about. I just got in my car and... Turned the radio on and when I heard HPV, I said, I have got to call in. I have a nine year old sister. Um, and, you know, she'll be going to the sixth grade within probably within the next year or so. Next two years, possibly. Uh-huh. I cannot see my nine, my sister being in the sixth grade getting a back, a, back, a vaccination for something that's going to prevent cervical cancer that's only caused through an STD. Um, I've done a lot of research within the past couple of weeks on HPV. And I'm glad it's being publicized on TV the way it is and on the news because it brings an awareness, but it's what we do with that awareness that's going to really matter. Um, I do not agree with these vaccinations at all. Um, After doing a little bit of research, like I would mentioned, and I believe that the lady before, I think her name was Pat, she had just said there's no cure for it. There is no cure for it. It's treatable, but it's not going to go away. The one thing that we have strayed away from is truly teaching, the, teaching this generation morals. We have, we have strayed away from teaching them things that the basic principles and the foundations of, of the Word of God, which is, you know, you you, strain, you restrain from sexual immorality. And the, uh, for everything under the sun, there's a consequence.
1: That's right. Bible tells guys. us to flee immorality, so certainly we should be teaching young people to flee, not to stand and fight or not to uh, be seduced by it, so that's certainly a good point. And uh, let me just point out one thing. Uh, it is at least theoretically possible that some young people could catch the HPV virus without having sexual intercourse. And I think that's one thing we need to put on the table. I know this is a family-oriented program, so I'll use some euphemisms, but basically skin-to-skin contact or contact with various parts of the, the body could allow for the virus to be spread. So even kids who would say, well, we never went all the way, still could come down with the HPV virus. And of course, we've already talked about the consequences and had a chance to hear of one individual who, when she testified, was just tearing up because she probably doesn't even have a year to live but uh, tiffany thank you so much for calling today let's see if we can get just a couple more calls in i know so many of you would like to join the discussion so we'll move out to denton this time and talk to linda hey kirby
8: this is healthcare provider and i uh, did see on mark's uh, in- drug insert that actually comes with the vaccine that even to their own admission. The, you know the studies are not very far out there on this vaccine they are not sure about the mutagenicity as well as the cancer-causing ability of this vaccine. We just don't know much about it.
1: Well, let's uh, let's have a conversation for a minute, because I was going to get to some of that. Uh, let's, uh, first of all, point out again, it, it only covers four of the 30 strains of HPV. That's we correct. know that yeah. the effectiveness so far has gone through four years, but we don't have a longitudinal study, so we don't know if later on we'd need a booster. And as you point out, there could be what I call contraindications. There could be other kinds of side effects. And as somebody it works in the healthcare industry. Uh, just talk about that for a minute, if you might.
8: Well, um, I have a personal experience in that my first two sons of my four sons had severe reactions to the DPT vaccine back in the 70s, yes. before we knew to make that pertussis, an acellular pertussis. Um, I went to my pediatrician, who is now on the staff at Children's Medical Center. At the time, he told me, well, we can give him a half dose, which will acquire the same immunity. Well, that's an interesting concept right there.
1: <laughs> there you go. So, um,
8: yeah. I just have concerns about the safety of vaccines here. We saw 25 years out that indeed, you know, we had to change the, the way we gave pertussis.
1: Well, obviously we did, and we recognize that there are some questions about injecting a virus like particle into girls who could, at least theoretically, be as young as nine years old for a sexually transmitted disease that uh, you at least hope nine-year-olds aren't thinking about. Now, as I've said, I've sat on the board of various abstinence groups, and we can tell you stories about uh, the early onset of sexual activity in our society, but you're raising a very good question, Linda, about um, whatever you would see, whether you look at any kind of label or you get a physician's desk reference, you recognize that there are sometimes side effects, adverse effects, contraindications, and So that's just one more issue that I hope the debate in uh, Austin will consider because this does have that potential and maybe even explains why there has been such a move to try to get it done early so that at least Merck could be protected from some of those kinds of uh, medical malpractice lawsuits, recognize that they have suffered tremendous financial losses because of the withdrawal of their painkiller Vioxx. So maybe that explains a question that Tony was asking earlier. But Linda, thank you so much for calling. Let's go to Greenville this time. Bill, thank you for calling. I guess we don't have Bill, so how about uh, we're going to Amy this time. Let's see if we can get Amy on the line. Hello? Go ahead. You're on, Amy.
5: Hi. My question is, um, what if, I, I, first of all, I don't agree with the angle um, that they've taken on it so far as making it a mandate um, because it it just seems like they've already kind of decided that the user going to fail and that they're going to be sexually active and I do agree with the previous caller that the change has to come from within but my question is what if um, they came from the um, the angle that protecting against uh, the possibility of unwanted um, sexual um, activity as far as maybe young girls being raped or sure. being sexually abused what are the Um, possible positive aspects of using it that way and um, instead of making it something to where they're just assuming that the youth are going to fail but they just saying that they're going to protect the youth what are the possibilities that they could do something like that I mean because something like that would be a good thing for society and not necessarily um, so negative.
1: You have identified what I think has been a very compelling argument emotionally and that is what about a child That uh, either due to rape or incest or even you know maybe soften a little bit even the idea of date rape or uh, poor choice ends up maybe even a one-time experience of having HPV and that is one of the arguments that people have made it is not hypothetical to me at all because I do other talk shows and uh, the first caller today and another talk show I did actually had been raped actually did have HPV so this is uh, one of those kind of difficult troubling questions questions where on the one hand we want to send this solid signal to young people that don't think that because you've been vaccinated now you can be sexually active because that was certainly a question we were talking about a minute ago with pat from arlington but at the same time we recognize that sometimes young people to decisions not their own find themselves into very difficult circumstances and thus justify the hpv vaccine so that's what the uh, legislature in uh, Texas down in Austin is going to have to consider. By the way, I will let you decide whether or not you want to contact your um, member of the Texas House, but it is House Bill 1098, and that would be a bill that would actually overturn Governor Perry's executive order on HPV vaccine. So if you want to uh, express your opinion one way or the other, they will actually be hearing those cases. Of course, they've had public testimony there on the Texas House Public Health Committee, eventually there will probably be a vote out of committee, and then possibly, if it voted out of committee, be a vote on the floor, and I suspect it will be a very contentious issue. As I've said before, it almost does not matter whether you're from the state of Texas or not. We are well aware that there are other governors, and including, I heard just the other day, the legislature in West Virginia considering the very same kind of mandate. So this is an important issue to um, recognize that it's going to be more than a very significant issue for Texas. It ultimately becomes a national issue. When we come back, I'll take some more phone calls on this HPV vaccine. Many of you are interested in asking questions. We'll answer a few more of those issues. Might just mention, though, that we also have online archives of the program in case you'd like to hear others. And you can find those at the website, jerryjohnsonlive.com. That's jerryjohnsonlive.com. We'll take a break and continue our discussion about this HPV vaccine and some of the debate taking place in Austin, Texas, right after this.
0: Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host. Kirby Anderson. Back once again, 800-881-9270. If you'd
1: like to talk about the HPV vaccine, we've had debate the last two days in Austin in the Texas House Public Health Committee. This is House Bill 1098, and you can express your opinion. We just heard a minute ago on the news Kelly Shackelford expressing the uh, idea that you should do so, and I will encourage you, if you'd like to express your opinion on air, 800-888-9270. We'll keep taking some of your calls on that. A little bit later, we'll talk about what's been happening, in New Jersey with the issue of same-sex marriage. Actually, there they provided civil unions, but in some respects, it was just a matter of definition. All rights that a married person would have are granted to same-sex couples, and we've now had hundreds in New Jersey get those as well. So let's take some more phone calls. As we do so, let me just mention again that to Governor Perry on February 2nd to not only mandated the fact that uh, any girl that would be going into the sixth grade would have to have Gardasil, But he also mandated that the vaccine be made free to girls 9 to 18 who are uninsured. That's a significant number of individuals. And also he ordered that Medicaid offered Gardasil to women ages 19 to 21. So very significant question a lot of people ask, why only girls? Well, it turns out that uh, as we have looked at the efficacy of this vaccine, it seems to be effective only in girls, not in boys. And I can get into some of the biological reasons, but that at least quickly answers the question if you'd like. We can pursue that a little bit more, but let's take some more phone calls. 800-881-9270. And we will go to uh, Marilyn next. Marilyn, go ahead.
8: Uh, Yes, thank you. I just have a comment about the way all this is being presented in the news. It's been referred to as an anti-cancer vaccine in most of the uh, reports I've been hearing. And I think that is very misleading because it's an anti-HPV vaccine that uh, only would protect four of the viruses or four of the strains. Right. Um. And...
1: Well, before you finish, let me just say right there, let me jump in for a second, and that is I've oftentimes said he who defines the terms wins the debate. And I don't know whether some of this is done intentionally. I will be the first to offer at least a little bit of sympathy towards uh, those in the journalistic profession because most of them did not go into journalism because they did well in science. So sometimes they don't understand the science or medicine, but I think you're right. This is just not an accurate expression of what it is. It's a vaccine that would actually treat four of the 30 strains of HPV, and thus it would prevent ultimately the possibility of that HPV infection leading to cervical cancer. But to call it an anti-cancer vaccine is actually claiming more than it really is but uh, Marilyn go ahead.
8: That's that's it I just wanted to comment on that because I think they're they're making people, they're, unless people really become knowledgeable about uh, what's going on by listening you know to what like what you just said and uh, they're gonna think you know they're not gonna get cancer.
1: Well, yeah um, I mean uh, who could be again against an anti-cancer vaccine? Just think about how difficult it would be to express your disapproval of that. You, you 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 can really see how if you think through the way in which it's presented, there's a need to clarify that. And if that's done out of ignorance, then let's get some experts. So, uh, for example, like Barbara Lowe Fisher, who's been on this program from the National Vaccine Information Center to clarify that, or speakers with one of the abstinence Group to clarify clarify that. But if that's an attempt to just try to push this through then I think that's a different issue. So you've raised a very good question, which, again, we talk about here on Jerry Johnson Live. You've heard Dr. Johnson, you've heard Pentadextra talk about media bias, and I think you've found at least one potential area where media bias exists. So I appreciate your phone call. Okay, thanks. Let's uh, go, if we can now, to Collinsville and Ronnie. Ronnie, thank you for calling.
2: Well, I
4: appreciate it. I'd just like to say that God bless you. Um, I listen to you quite often on my way home from work. Uh, I've just got uh, a comment to make, especially to our governor of the, of the state of Texas, is that they don't need to get it to the point of taking the parental uh, rights out of our hands as long as it's with our children. Um, I'm also a pastor of a church, and uh, we need to be preaching and teaching uh, the, the celibacy, to our, our young women, and then we wouldn't have to worry about the, the HDV uh, vaccination to, uh, to keep them from getting sexually transmitted diseases and so forth and so
1: on. Well, I think it ultimately is the answer. If everybody practiced abstinence, uh, sexually transmitted diseases would simply fade away. I mean, but once we allow for a level of sexual activity that is almost unprecedented in American society, it's not surprising that we have STDs at epidemic levels. So appreciate your phone call and uh, keep preaching. Glad that you called in. All right. God bless you. Let's uh, take a few more phone calls. Go out to, I guess, Wolf City this time. Sharon, thank you for calling.
3: Yes, I guess the concern I have, or I I think I'm confused about the fact, I thought the whole process of um, our government in action was that it would go through the process of our legislators bringing forth all of this. It seems like we're doing this backwards.
1: I would say we are.
3: Why are we having a mandate on something? Why wasn't this discussed through the normal channels that it should go through um, before it became something like it is? Now everybody's saying, okay, go back and contact your legislators and so forth. Why wasn't that done in the first place? Why didn't the governor allow that process to take place?
1: That um, is the biggest not- question apart from the parental rights question, and that is one is what right does government have to tell Kids, what parents should be telling them. Number two, and that's the question you're asking now why did the governor race ahead, issue an executive order on February 2nd instead of uh, maybe submitting a bill or having somebody who agreed with us submit a bill and have legislative action? Because we've, in some respects, put the cart before the horse. So you've asked a good question. I don't have an answer for it. I just know that the governor created most of this debate simply by issuing his executive order on Friday, February 2nd. And since then, it's been a firestorm, which I don't think he anticipated. I think he honestly thought that he would put that through. There would be sort of a signing off, maybe a little bit of fuss. It maybe be a one or two day news story and that'd be it. I don't think he expected that on the 20th of February, people would still be talking about this, much less uh, that we would be talking about two days of hearings that have been held by the Texas House Public Health Committee. So I don't think he expected that, and I don't know why he pushed it forward so quickly either.
6: I have one other question. I'm a public school
3: teacher. Another thing is it seems like there's so many things that take place um, through the process of public education, and one of them would be discrimination. And The very fact that this would be an expensive uh, thing to ask people to do, you think back to the old days when it used to be that you couldn't vote unless you paid a poll tax. And essentially there's nothing in place um, that, I mean, the burden would end up being on people to pay for this, who pay their taxes, who who have insurance and so forth, um, even if I thought it was a good idea, which I don't particularly think it's a good idea. Um, but the other thing is, is that it's going to end up being, you're going to have people say, well, you're discriminating against me because... I can't afford to
1: pay that. Right. And the one of the things that, uh, again, to be fair to the governor, he has directed state health authorities to make the vaccine available free to girls ages nine to 18 who are uninsured. If you go and look at Medicaid, there's about one point nine million Texas children on Medicaid. And again, if you just assume half of those are girls, which I think is reasonable, that means it would cost the taxpayers three hundred million dollars for the program. But it doesn't mean that those poor people would have to pay that. So that's the provision that is actually in the executive order that he issued on February second.
3: Well, it just seems again, it's the the burden ends up going back on those of us who already are paying taxes and doing the things we're supposed to be doing. We end up paying for something that, first of all, we don't agree with and that has nothing to do with school. I mean, as a school teacher, I mean, I don't know that, I mean, children that age are not having sex at school. So, I mean, why are we having to do this through school? They're not going to get it at school.
1: You're asking very good questions. Those are the kinds of questions I hope that the Public Health Committee considers because the more and more mandates they put on schools, and if I can uh, salute you as a teacher, the more and more mandates they put on you, the less opportunity you have to do what you're supposed to be doing, and that is, I think, teachers are there to educate. And That's get, exactly uh, right. Yeah. So your point's well taken. You're asking That's good questions
9: thank you so much
1: let's jump ahead to a few more callers real quickly and we'll go to i think it's michelle next in dallas michelle go ahead
9: yes um i wanted to make a comment about the um i guess the moral issues about abstinence Uh, i'm actually a woman who has gotten hpv virus and actually did not have sex until i got married (laughs) so it's a little i guess i'm more on the um,
1: and you know, there are people like you. There are uh, probably thousands of people like you in the country.
9: Well, and I know another girl at my office, the same situation. So it's for me. I would. I wish I could have it. I'm too old to have the the vaccine now. It won't do me any good. But um, you know, I mean, I would be for it now. I don't know whether they should mandate it or not. But you know, I just wanted to let people know that there's there's a lot of women out there who did live a moral, pure life <laughs> until they got married. And in a way, it kind of makes me feel like I should be embarrassed.
1: Right, and shouldn't. I hope you've heard me a couple times here to say that it is quite possible to not have had sexual intercourse, for example, to have not have received it. There are other ways it could be, but the primary way in which HPV is uh, transmitted is through sexual intercourse, but not exclusively. And I appreciate you calling in. You just remind us again of why this is a little bit more of a contentious issue. let's uh let's take a break Uh, just before we do let me mention again that on march 1st we are going to be having what is called encounter criswell this is an opportunity for you to find out a lot more about the criswell college takes place from 8 to 12 in the morning you can go to class you can worship in chapel you can have lunch with the professors it's a great opportunity to find out more about criswell college if you know somebody that would love to attend here find out more go to the website criswell.edu criswell.edu also might mention that we have online archives of some of the programs that we've been doing you can find those at jerryjohnsonlive.com that's jerryjohnsonlive.com and of course the other website is criswell.edu we'll take a break and come back with more right after this
0: That's Criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live! Now here's today's host, Kirby Anderson. Back once again,
1: 800-881-9270. Might just mention, Penna will be back tomorrow. She's been at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Dr. Johnson, I guess, has been down there as well. So they will be covering a lot of very important issues throughout the rest of the week. I've been privileged to uh, be a guest host here today. And I think we'll go back to the phones first. Let's go to Louisville. And John, I believe you work in the medical field?
4: Yes, I do. Yes, I'd um, love to hear from I'd you. Like to uh, Thank you. I'd like to... Uh, give a, um, another point of view from somebody that works in the medical field. Um, the woman that called in uh, a moment ago um, uh, was faithful and uh, stayed pure until she got married and got uh, infected. You never know what the other party has in their past. True. Um, I, I, I've seen people sick in manners that um, in ways that they've been sick um, that, that's unimaginable an and unspeakable. I've seen people die in the same manners uh, that is unspeakable. Um, what we need to do is try and raise up our children, teach our children the way that God would want us to teach them. And we need to stop thinking about this uh, this virus or this antivirus as um, something that is horrible and, and, and um, teaching them, uh, or the media saying, oh, this is, this is uh, something you get just from sex. Just tell them it's another vaccine to help them prevent from getting another disease when they get older. And, and that's the way it ought to be approached because it does keep you from getting certain strands of this virus, and it does keep you from getting 70%, uh, decrease your chances by 70%. It's a good thing. It just is handled wrong by saying that the parents can't be involved in making the decision. And then to get involved, you've got to go through a, a horrendous uh, process to get your kid um, uh, to not have to do it. Right.
1: And uh, they do allow for opt-out. Of course, it's usually for religious or philosophical reasons. But what I'm hearing you say, John, is it's not an either-or. We should be teaching our kids about abstinence, but also getting into the virus. Is that what you're saying?
6: I I think that it's a
4: very good thing. How can you live with yourself if somewhere down the line your your kid did get um, uh, cancer, um, and and just go through the process of cancer and survived? Okay, just that. That's the, the lesser of the two evils. Uh, and you could have uh, protected them with this, this this antivirus. How could you? And your your children are put in your care um, through God's grace. That he's He's given them to you, and you're supposed to protect him How could you live with yourself if you could have possibly protected them? And there's no harm to be done by giving them this this uh, virus.
1: Uh, cervical cancer is the 14th most common type of cancer here, but if you travel to South America, Africa, or Asia, it is the most common cancer. Part of that's due to the fact that there's no pap screening and things like that. And HPV, as we pointed out just a minute, is the most common sexually transmitted infection. So, um, John, I appreciate you calling in with your expertise today. Thank you. Let's take a few more phone calls, and I guess we go to Kay next. Kay, what's on your mind?
6: Hi there. Um, I was calling because I heard the young woman talk about saving herself till marriage, and then she got HPV. And then the gentleman that just spoke that's in the medical field, and... I have to say I agree with him hundred percent. While I have mixed emotions about whether or not the state should mandate it, that it has to be done, I agree with him. I think it would be uh, a very foolish parent that would not consider the fact that their daughter, who might have remained abstinent until marriage, might have married another Christian who did not become a Christian until later in life. We don't all grow up in Christian homes. We don't all become Christians as children. And that person may have a past that they're very regretful of. Um, Just like the other uh, young lady or young woman that called, I'm an older woman, but I was a virgin until I married. I got HPV. Fortunately for me, it did not cause me any problems until I was through my childbearing years. But then I developed the uh, uh, cancerous type or precancerous dysplasia and had had to go undergo several different surgeries for that, not a complete hysterectomy, but if I hadn't been past my childbearing years or or was past the point of, of wanting to have any more children, they told me, you know, it's a good thing you've already got your kids because you might not be able to carry a baby to full term without complete bed rest because part of your cervix is gone now.
1: So there you go. Uh, You have illustrated, again, some of the concerns that people have had. Even if an individual is honest, faithful, pure, they might marry someone who is carrying the virus who may be asymptomatic or maybe they pick it up in another way and there is the consequence that you just talked about and i think as we talked about just a minute ago with michelle uk and michelle are a good illustration of the fact that individuals uh, even though they may do everything right still come down with the hpv virus human papillomavirus and so as a result that's why you can at least understand whether you agree with it or not why texas governor rick Perry issued his executive order on February second.
6: Right, and although I still I have mixed feelings about it being mandated by the state or, or having too. to be you know controlled by the schools along with vaccination uh, records, I have mixed feelings about that. I, but I don't disagree with uh, the vi- or the uh, the shot. And if I had a daughter, I would make sure that she got the shot.
1: I appreciate you calling in. You, again, give us a voice to some of the things that we're talking about here today. And it, again, just is an illustration of some of the kind of testimony that took place over the last two days at the Texas House Public Health Committee. Let's, if we can, just take a few more phone calls. Joan in Midlothian, what's on your mind?
6: Yeah,
3: I was just going to comment that even though, you know, there are moral issues with uh, giving it to so young a children, you know, I'm not sure that really it's such a bad thing. We do the best we can raising our children, but um, we're not always with them. We can't always be there to help them to make their decisions. But my concern is if it's mandated and if it becomes something that all young girls have to do, is that what about research for the existing cancers that have, been, have resulted from people who are older who um, did not have the opportunity to have this uh, injection, you know, when, when they were younger and have contracted the disease, uh, will as much money still go into research.
1: I think, I think there will miracle. be, but you're right. I mean, uh, this has been, a, in some respects, a medical miracle, and maybe we can expect future ones. But, uh, Joan, I appreciate your call. We're just running out of time. Let me again just mention that tomorrow Penedixter will be back in this chair and carrying on some of the duties of the Jerry Johnson Live program. But just before we go, let me mention one last time that we've been promoting what is going to be taking place on March 1st here at the Criswell College. It is called Encounter Criswell. takes place in the morning. You can go to class. You can worship and. Chapel. You can have lunch with the professors. It's a great opportunity to find out a little bit more about what's taking place here at the Criswell College. Also would encourage you to uh, get some of those online archives if you'd like to hear other programs that have been broadcast here on Criswell Network. But again, if you would like to find out more about Encounter Criswell, that is criswell.edu, or you could even send an email, admission at criswell.edu. You can also call the 800 number here at the Criswell College, 800 899 0012. But if you know of a young person that would like to study here at the Criswell College, maybe you'd like to come and take a class. I would encourage you to find out more. It's called Encounter Criswell. It takes place on March 1st. And again, find out more at criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back here tomorrow.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show.